Right, if you'll join me in the 10th section of Psalm, chapter number 119. It's nice to have an Irish Christian hymn uh, when we have our missionaries to um, Ireland tonight. And um, I don't know if that was planned, but it worked out real nicely. Psalm 119, before we get to it, though, uh, he's giving that update. I was wondering who in here might have Irish ancestry. Who in here knows that they have Irish ancestry? Besides Greg, he told me he's 4% Irish, and uh, we, we saw that, didn't we? And uh, William, I would, William Avery, that would make sense, all right? Uh, they might be Irish. Anybody else in here? A lot? Miss Frick? Okay, several, several of you in here, and we'll be praying. I really loved in the video what was said that we ought to look for him. Um, in missionaries is that his pastor said um, he's been serving here and we will miss him, but we're excited about what God's doing. What a good testimony. Graham and Olivia speak highly of the Ferran family. They were in conferences uh, with them and it's really a nice honor to get to meet you. And the voiceover for that video was special to me. That was with my Christian school teacher, Seth Wagner, and we talk missions sometimes. He'll call and ask if there's any missionaries out of our church worth supporting. And I say your name sometimes, Cal, all right? And uh, no, I say there's always, there's always someone I appreciate when he makes um, that call. And I get the, it's exciting to see um, other churches, um, seeing people grow up in the church and then be involved and then send out to do the work that they're already doing. You don't start a ministry, you should be relocating a ministry, which is what they'll be doing. Um, And so um, it reminds me, though, on on November the 13th, there should be a box already down here. That will be the send-off service uh, for Austin and Annie uh, to China. And as it's our tradition, we write a letter to them of encouragement. I want to give you uh, the notice on that. That'll be a Sunday night, the 13th, uh, where we'll have that special time uh, with them. Let's look at Psalm uh, chapter number uh, 119. And this, as I said, it's the 10th section, the 10th letter of the Hebrew uh, Bible. Uh, Yo, the smallest in Matthew, where it talks about uh, neither one jot or tittle shall not wise pass away. Um, it is a small letter, uh, but it holds a big message for us tonight. Before I read it to you, let me give you a, just a summary. And then as we read it, you should look for these things. The psalmist, knowing that God, um, that the Lord created him for a purpose... Acknowledging that his affliction was part of God's faithful dealings with him, uh, the psalmist will confidently pray for understanding to learn of God's commandments, deliverance from the arrogant who have wronged him, and a blameless and pray for a blameless heart so that he may not be put to shame. Verse 73, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. That's our title for the night, and it's also our prayer, is that God would give us understanding. That they that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I, kn- I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be f- for my comfort, according to the word of thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. In this prayer of understanding tonight, the purpose of affliction, because God is the designer of our lives and he is the creator, I want to see five things uh, together. First of all, we're going to see that because God made me, I will look to him to understanding. Acknowledging he is the creator is foundational if we're going to look to him to give us purpose and reason in our lives. Secondly, that our lives can be an encouragement to others. 
That's reminding us in the middle of this affliction that your suffering doesn't need to be wasted. It was said in the video that God has a purpose for it and that we should declare that God is good even in our affliction. Me and Brother Frick had breakfast today, and as he goes through the book of Revelation, he tells me that occasionally he will pause, and I may not get this right. If you're in his class, you may, re, uh, you may remember this better than I do, but he'll be getting to a complicated part of Revelation, and he'll pause, and he'll say, I want to remind you that God is always good, and God is always right, and God will always win. And that's a good reminder through Revelation. In our affliction, we should remember that God is good. Number four, we go to God to be comforted in our trials and he knows you need him. We should go to God to be comforted in our trials, and you most desperately need him. And then lastly, the summary is that um, pray that God would give him a sincere heart and a shameful world, that no matter what happened to him, it wouldn't change him, but it would cause him to come out with a closer relationship to the Lord, right? The afflictions either make us what bitter people or they'll say better people. And for us, better means having a more sincere and close relationship uh, with our Lord. So first off, we said, because God had made me, I will look to him for understanding. That idea, that foundational teaching that God is, um, is our creator um, is not very popular today, but it's so necessary for us as a Christian. It's something that doesn't just come up in an argument or a debate about creation, which is important, but the fact that God is our creator ought to be something that we think about daily, understanding his authority in our lives. Verse 73, it says, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. And because of that, you should, I'm asking that you would give me understanding that I'll learn thy commandments. In the statement that he has made me and fashioned me, we're acknowledging a few things. If he is my creator... As, he, as I know that he is, I'm indebted to him as the giver of life. God is my creator, so I'm indebted to him as my giver of life. Because he's my creator, he has greater understanding of my life more than I ever will, or more than anybody else will either. He will always understand my life better because he is my creator. Because he's my creator, he knows what's best for me. I can trust in that. He designed me and he created me and that our lives, as I acknowledge that he's my creator, I'm acknowledging that my life is connected to someone that is above all and is eternal. That my life was created by a supernatural God that's eternal, and that my life um, should reflect that. But there's so much reje- rejection of God's word as a means to reject his authority. Um, it's by faith that we understand. Hebrews eleven three says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. There is an attack upon that to say that God is the creator. Um, why do we even exist, or how do we even exist? Every human in this planet should be able to acknowledge that we exist because of his creating power, all the way back in Genesis. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, that God is the creator. The tremendous attack that we see today upon man didn't create man and woman has very little to do with gender, and it has everything to do with authority is that if we say, no, this isn't what God has done, then people could say that, no, that God is not the creator. If we weren't created by him, then we're not in authority uh, underneath his authority, which would be such a, a horrible place to live. You just really don't win, right? 
If any of your kids wanted to ever argue with you and they would say, I don't want to listen to you, you could just say, all right, why don't you try to live, you know, on your own? They ought to appreciate the authority in which is brought into their lives. I couldn't imagine the fear that would come if you were to say that I don't live under any authority, not under God's. I am my own authority. So we are created by him, but also we exist for his glory. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. The psalmist is saying um, that I was made of God and I was fashioned by him, not just created, but then he didn't stop there. He has design and he has a purpose. There's an intelligent design to the life that I'm living We sometimes wonder about that, right? We say, is there any rhyme or reason to what's going on in my life? Is there any purpose in all of this? Um, It's been said by many through the years, but it's well said in this. It says, all that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. It's the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. But not the psalmist. The psalmist said, God has created me. He is forming me. There is purpose in this because my life has a designer uh, to it. So all of us in here, we are rich in something that the world is completely bankrupt in, Hayden. The world is bankrupt in, in hope. They just don't have any. If they're inconsistent in it, they may find areas in which they say there is hope. But an atheist, famous quote by Bertrand Russell, an atheist said, Consistently, he says, if we're just going to deny the existence of God, we just have to be honest about this. We can't be one foot in and one foot out. If we're going to say there is no God, that God is not our creator, that he's not the designer of our lives, he, he said there is a darkness without, and when I die there will be darkness within. There is no splendor, no vastness anywhere, only triviality for a moment, then nothing. If there is no God and there is no designer for our lives then there's this vast darkness that we will one day be part of. And that is this, this hopeless as it can be. Talking to uh, one of the training center students today about what homesickness feels like. All right. Any of you ever feel homesick? All right. Don't look at me, dear. I'm not going back to Kentucky anytime soon. All right. And uh, that homesickness, you feel it when you first leave, uh, especially around college. Any of you experience any homesickness in here at any point um, in your life? Um, And it just feel, and the way it was described is that, um, you don't like being out in the cold without a jacket. You're not just, you know, you know, you're not going to die. You just never feel like you will, would if you're at home in front of the fireplace or a wood-burning stove. You just never feel fully comfortable and satisfied. And that's such a good definition of what homesickness feels like, is that I just need something where I just say, God, I need to feel at home, and I'm not finding it any place in this world. And the psalmist starts with saying, I recognize, Lord, that you are my creator, that I am not just detached, floating around this world with no purpose, but when I enter into your sanctuary, which is the language used often in the Psalms, I understand. Um, I feel that warmth that is needed. So it's a prayer for God to finish his work of creation. God made us for a purpose, and to fulfill that purpose, we need spiritual understanding to learn God's commandments. So to get understanding, which is our prayer tonight, During a time of affliction, it starts with saying, I know my creator. And I know that not only did he create me, but he is is still um, involved and present in the forming of my life. 
Secondly, in this psalm, we would see, uh, we'd have understanding, is that my life can be an encouragement to others. Your life and my life can be an encouragement to other people. It's in verse number 74. That they that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. Verse 74. It says, because they will be glad when they see me. Our lives can be a blessing to others. I think about that when I see Greg um, in the morning. He had his coffee already. Before coffee, I won't even try. But I think, is this young man, is my friend glad to see me? Am I a person that when they see me, that they're glad to do that? They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in, in the word that my life hoping in God's word through times of affliction can create something inside of me that makes my presence enjoyable for other people. That is something, isn't it? That our lives have purpose to it. That our afflictions can do a work inside of us that not only benefits us, but it benefits other people. Go to good men, study their errors, study their repentance, study their afflictions, study God's mercy to them that they may know his testimonies are true. That's what you can provide to somebody. I can look out here today and I can say, hey, I know what that person has been through and they remain faithful to the Lord. I'm glad to see them. I'm glad to get to worship with them. I'm glad for their testimony in my life. Verse 75 says that especially during times of affliction, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou, that thou, thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. I know that your judgments are right and that you have afflicted me in your faithfulness. We need each other. During times of affliction, out of times of affliction, going into them, we need each other. Verse 79, let those that fear thee turn unto me and those that have known thy testimonies. Let those that fear thee turn, fear, turn to me. I really wondered about this. It seems as a selfish prayer, but it isn't. It's a, a, he understands his great need. It's okay to recognize that you need other people. That isn't the Christian position. When you're going through affliction, for you to say, I don't need anybody, I just need the Lord. Well, it's most certainly true that he is um, all sufficient, that he is all you need, but that wasn't his game plan for you. His game plan was for you to be ministered to uh, by um, other people. It appears that righteous people here at least stood away from him during this time of affliction. It may be that they had been deceived by the arrogant in the story and thinking that the psalmist was at fault. Uh, we don't know him, but people had um, turned away from him and his prayer was, I pray that these people, that, that God-fearing people would, would turn again uh, to me. A man told me recently, after going through a hard trial, um, how he uh, visited different churches, but when he did, he would share his story, and it felt like everybody just kind of separated from him. They felt like they didn't know what to do with it. They were like, that's too heavy. I don't know how to connect with you. This is a psalmist praying and saying, I pray that God's people would turn again uh, to me. The Moravians were so famous. They had, a, I think, a 100-year prayer meeting that never ceased. They sent out so many missionaries. It's a fascinating story. Uh, one of their sayings, which comes from Romans um, 14, 7, it says, For no man liveth and dieth unto themselves. It's just a reminder that none of us are on an island to ourselves. You ever get to a place and you say, Well, I don't have the influence that I would want, or I'm not making that much of a difference. That's contrary to the Bible to say that your life isn't making a difference in other people's lives. The Bible says that you don't live unto yourselves, uh, that your, your life will 
uh, make a difference. Charles Spurgeon said, When a man of God obtains grace for himself, he becomes a blessing to others. There are professors or teachers or people whose presence scatters sadness and the godly quietly slip out of their company. May this never be the case for us. May our presence around people, especially because of what we've went through for the cause of Christ, make us a blessing to others and not something that has become bitter where godly people just want to slip away because we're just scattering sadness where we go. We need each other through this. We can be an encouragement to them. People can see us and say, I am glad to see them. We all have testimonies where you go visit somebody to be an encouragement to them. And what do you say? They're going through a hard time. But when you leave and you'd say, I went to be an encouragement to them, but they were an encouragement to me because affliction is not a hindrance to that. Having a low view of God is a hindrance to that. Bitterness would be a problem with that. But great affliction isn't a challenge with that. It is a, a closeness that's available to us. Thirdly here, we should declare that God is good even in our affliction. I know, verse 75, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. To know that his judgments are right, that is so much stronger. To say that God, is, God has a right to do whatever he pleases, that's one thing to say. But to say that greater, it is a greater thing to say that his judgments are right and that in his faithfulness he has afflicted me. That God in his faithfulness, and not because of a wavering love for me, I had been afflicted. Psalm 119.67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. That God in his faithfulness to me has allowed this trial to come into my life, this furnace of affliction that comes as a sanctifying work into our lives, as it comes as a result of sin in our lives at times, or maybe it comes as a result of somebody else's sin in our lives, or maybe it just comes because God is allowing something to come that is going to draw us closer to Him. But it isn't because God forgot about you on a day. It isn't because He didn't have a master plan for your life and you've just somehow fallen off the grid. But when you're able to say, Oh Lord, thy judgments are right, and thou and your faithfulness has afflicted me. And our, the lives of others that are able to say that, as we said, they can, we can encourage others. When people are declaring that God is good, even in their reflection, it really challenges us. Job said it in Job one twenty one: Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Could you imagine what that did to everybody looking in on the story? Eli would say that of the affliction that was told of him concerning his sons, 1 Samuel 3.18. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. He didn't accuse God of wrongdoing. He said, God, I can trust you. David could say it in his affliction, as we saw the other day um, in Lamentations, where he, uh, in 2 Samuel, but in the book of Lamentations we're looking at, when um, the man came to him, and he was kicking and throwing rocks. The Benjamite, he said, let him alone. Let him curse. The Lord hath bidden him that he was whatever was going to come into his life. He was going to trust that God could use it to draw him closer. Did many of you know the story of Joni Erickson Tottenham, uh, the, the famous diver, and she um, became paralyzed, has written many books. It's an incredible testimony, really been used of the Lord um, in many uh, public platforms to speak of God's goodness. This is what she says. 
He has chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. The more intense the pain, the closer his embrace. There was a person that said that I'm being afflicted, I'm going through a trial, but God is faithful to me. And as a result, when you saw her, you were glad because she was being used as an encouragement. Moving on here. We go to God to be comforted in our trials because he knows we need him. Verse 76, let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort according to the word unto thy servant. According to thy word of thy servant, his word to service. It gets very personal here. We should um, read these words and take them personally because we are his servant. And also we should read these words and receive them as his mind. Let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. When you read the word of God, you should see it as for you, as his servant. He is talking, the, the psalmist here is, is saying that I am your servant, and he's saying that it is your word. And so he goes to it to be comforted, and God knows you need him in his mercy to survive. Verse 77, this is something that many of you have probably prayed using different words, and you may never know that it was a psalm. The more that we study the psalms, And the more that I counsel with people, the more that I find people speaking the same things that are in the Psalms, even if they don't know that they're saying it. Verse 77, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for thy law is my delight. Lord, without your tender mercies into my life, I don't feel like I can go on. I feel like I'm a person outside in the winter without a jacket. There's no warmth. Without your tender mercies coming into my life, I feel like that I just cannot go on. On living. If you've ever considered that God was against you, if you've ever considered that God was your enemy, let me tell you if God was your enemy, you would be absolutely hopeless. If God had chosen to destroy you, you would be destroyed. And so that's faulty thinking when these things come into your life to say that you have become, that God has become your enemy. If we, if we feel completely neglected by God, we would be miserable. But we should look to God for comfort during this pilgrimage. That's why this section starts off so fitting to say, God is my creator and he is the designer of my life. We should be able to light in his law above all other things. All the candles in the world in the absence of the sun can never make the day. The whole earth and its brightest visions of fancy, destitute of the Lord's love, can never cheer nor revive the soul. There are not enough candles in this world to light you to be able to see when you're going through a dark time. It's only going to come uh, from uh, God, and you must turn to Him. Everything else just becomes idolatry. It's short-lived, but it's it's going to bring temporary relief, but it's not going to sustain you, nor is it going to provide that real comfort that you need. I get cold real easy. How many of you get cold in the winter? It feels like I won't be warm until the summer. But have you gone to a wood-burning stove? The Mises, they got a wood-burning stove. There's just something about a wood-burning stove that gets all the way to your bones, right? Uh, That a heater won't be able to do. Central heating and air is not able to do. There's nothing in this world that is going to meet your needs all the way to your soul like turning uh, to God. And so after going through this time of affliction and the response, The psalmist is going to pray, Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Ask God for a sincere heart in this very shameful world. Shame is necessary and needed for the proud. It's a good thing to pray. When he is praying this, he's praying a good thing for them. 
Fill their faces with shame, Psalm 83, 16, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Esther and prayed and fasted that the Jews would be, uh, would be delivered um, out of the hand of Haman, that God would defend them. If you've ever felt shame, it has a wonderful purpose in it, in our sin. It, has a, it ought to cause us to turn unto the Lord. Fill your face with shame that you may seek the name of the Lord. That's what the psalmist is praying. He said, let them be ashamed, uh, but I will meditate on your precepts. Because there's nothing in holiness to be ashamed of. Leads us to verse 80. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I be not ashamed. He asked God and depended on him for a sound, blameless heart. So much of the psalm we've looked at tonight is a psalmist asking God to enable him to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. If you look at 76 through 80, see how it starts? Let, I pray thee, be merciful, um, kindness for my comfort. Uh, let thy tender mercies come to me. Let me not be ashamed. Uh, let those that fear thee turn, un, uh, fe- turn unto me. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes. It's praying that God would enable something in their lives, enable them to find hope in his word. His word is powerful in our lives, and when we see him as our creator with the design for our lives. So in closing tonight, um, I'll pray for us from 1 Peter chapter number 4, verses 12 through 19. It's a parallel teaching in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit would give us. If you look at 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, look at the exhortation. You're going to see here it says, Do not think it's a strange thing um, if you have fiery trials. One of the hardest things about uh, affliction and trials, and Stephen was sharing this with me from the grief share uh, from Sunday night, that the opening booklet has um, all these questions. Have you felt this? Have you felt this? And have you felt this? Is that one of the things that you see is those are natural responses to going through trial. One of the hardest things that we have when we're going through trial is we don't think it's supposed to happen. That, that apparently that God doesn't exist anymore because I'm not ever supposed to go any th- through something. Everybody else is supposed to go through things, uh, but I'm not. We shouldn't think it's strange when there's fiery trials, but we should rejoice insomuch that we're partakers of the Christ's suffering, uh, and that his glory will be revealed. And then we go on to see that we should not be ashamed from this. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let, our, let us glorify God during our affliction, which will be done by us doing good. In verse number 19, it says, as unto a faithful creator. Once again, we're not in a seminar about creationism. Why is it talking about being a creator? There's many different ways you could talk about God, but during a time of affliction, it's really important that you would recognize him as your creator because affliction has caused you to believe that you're just spiraling out of control and he has no awareness of what's happening to you. But there's great comfort in knowing that the creator has a design and purpose and that our response in drawing closer to him um, conserve that. So verse 19, how will we do this? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Affliction comes and we should trust him. And we do not feel shame believing we have been forsaken, but we rejoice and we will do well by the freedom given to us to live before the Lord and glorify him. Would you recognize the day if you're going through affliction or if you're helping somebody who's going through a difficult time to go back to that foundational truth uh, that there is a creator and God and he has not forsaken you? Uh, Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your words that are expressed in the psalmist. Lord, he expresses through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit through the psalmist will express pain in a deeper way than I would be able to communicate it. But it also expresses the solution so much more richly uh, than I ever could. And so, Father, we pray the night recognizing that you are the creator, that you have made us and you have fashioned us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding and that in understanding, Lord, we would learn your commandments and that those that fear you, Lord, the God-fearing people would be glad when they would see us because our response is somebody that has an expectation in your word, that we are hopeful people. Lord, we know that your judgments are right and it's in your faithfulness that we have been afflicted, that you have not removed your place in our lives, but you are faithful to us. So, Lord, we pray for your kindness for us, because without it, Lord, we would not be able to move on. We are your servants, and without your mercies and tender mercies in this world, we would not be able to live. But it's in your word and your statutes and your law that we find um, all of our delight. Lord, those that um, are proud, those who do not turn to you, Lord, I pray that they would be ashamed, uh, that they would treat you as the creator in such a way, and that uh, you, Lord, you would uh, vindicate um, in your timing. Uh, But, Lord, I am going to stay in holiness. I'm going to meditate upon your precepts. Lord, I pray for all of us in here today that our hearts would be sound, uh, that they would be solid, uh, that we would be able to live sincere lives in a very shameful world uh, because we will live simple lives looking to you um, as our creator and sustainer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.